Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Amen. Praise God. Welcome and thank you for welcoming us. And what a privilege it is to be here and uh, to share the word with you. I really appreciate all of y'all coming out. How many are excited? Uh, Barbara almost started preaching my message there about expectations. And uh, that's what I want to talk with you about tonight. But I just, I, that last, or I don't know if it was the last song, but uh, the goodness of God. Uh, that's probably in this season of worship that I'm familiar with, that's probably my favorite song. Uh, the goodness of God has kept me alive. The goodness of God has just changed my life. And I share this many places that I go that uh, over the last two or three years, I've been studying the subject of the goodness of God. And I would say that it has done more for my faith than studying faith, if, if you can understand that. Uh, that just getting a fresh revelation of how good God is and how much God loves us and, and uh, things of that nature. And I have certain Psalms I go to and remind myself of that all the time, uh, just to stay fresh in the things of the Lord. Amen. God is so good and we are so blessed. And uh, again, thank you for having me. Uh, so I do want to talk about expectations and I want to start by reading from Mark chapter 8, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 8, I think, yep, and uh, it's the feeding of the 4,000, this is very well known, but I just want to set the stage here, it says, in those days, I'm reading from New King James, in those days, the multitude being very great, and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. We, man, there's so many messages in all of this, but the compassion of Jesus, the concern for people, there's a lot, lot in here. And the disciples answered him and said, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and gave thanks and broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish and having blessed them, he set them also before them. So they ate and were filled and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. I have a a different message I preach from here on the principles of, of prosperity or the secret of abundance. He gave thanks for what he, I'm not going to preach it, but I want to give it to you real quick. He gave thanks for what he had. He gave what he had. He used what he had, and he blessed what he had. That's a great message. Those three things will set you free in the world of abundance and prosperity. Give thanks for everything. Use what you have. Put it to work. Sow it, and bless what you have. Don't curse it. That's a great message. You don't get that one tonight. But... I'm going to go back to verse 6, where it says, he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And when I read, I like to picture things, and I like to imagine things, and I like to see them in my imagination, divine imagination, I hope, and try to picture those things. And I'm thinking, what were they thinking? First, the multitude of thousands. And then the disciples that had just informed him that they only have seven loaves of bread, and he says, okay, command them to sit down. And I can see the disciples talking to each other. Did he, did he not hear me? I said, 
seven. Did he think I said 700? No, I said seven loaves. You know? So I can see the consternation in their faces. And then the multitudes, what are they thinking? We are, we're going to sit down. It, it, is this thing catered? You know? So <laughs> they're hungry. It's been three days. I didn't know they had catering, but this is awesome. But what he says, when he had them sit down, he's creating an expectation. Why else would he have them sit down? There's something about to happen. He's creating expectation, and then he fulfills that expectation. And that, that took me on a journey through Scripture. And I began to look at different, especially in the ministry of Jesus, different uh, examples that we're going to look at here in a moment. But I began to, to realize the power of expectations. And that many of us, all of us, are living under the influence of expectations, but you might be under the wrong influence. Uh, you're under the influence, but it's not the right kind. That there are expectations out there that are being shaped by the world. And any expectation that God has for you, all of his promises are yes and amen, right? And those are to be what we are expecting in life. But what is the world actively trying to do? Do not be conformed to this world. Why not? Because this world is trying to steal every expectation that God has for you. Every good thing that God has for you, the world is trying to, to shake that out of you. Your, your expectations could be formed by the news. People that spend a lot of time in the news, they're expecting economic collapse, they're expecting political disaster, they're expecting on and on the, the thing goes. Everybody getting arrested? No. No light bulbs now I hear, no, no, no water heaters, no, I don't know. Anyway, all this stuff that, that, that they're trying to change. And if that's what you feed on, your expectations are going to be stolen, the, the God kind, and they're going to be replaced with limitations. And you'll be living a life full of limitations of, of a low ceiling, if you will. I had to deal with this in my own upbringing, my own growing up. I had wonderful parents, but my mother, my parents were both, uh, they both grew up during the Depression, then World War II, my dad was in World War II and all this. And so they knew what lack was. And I was raised with that mindset. And I had other, other things said to me through the years, and they weren't malicious, but it was just how they approached life. And I came away in, into my adult years with these limitations that that I had allowed to be set in my life. I didn't have any expectations. And then when I got kicked out of college in my senior year, uh, my, my ceiling lowered quite a bit because my parents had told me, if you don't get a degree, you're not going anywhere. And so I have those, those limitations. I have other, other kinds of limitations, things I believed about myself. I was very introverted, very timid. Doing this was impossible. Uh, now this is what I love more than anything. But I couldn't do that. I would be shaking like a leaf if I was asked to speak in public. Uh, those were limitations that I had accepted. My expectations were not based upon my identity in Christ. I didn't even know what that was, even as a Christian, a young Christian. And so I was living a life of limited expectations shaped by the world, shaped by my parents, shaped by my own attitude about myself. And I was not living the abundant life. And now, as I, at the stage of life I'm in now, I can look around and I can see other Christians that are dealing with those same kinds of things. Jesus set expectations for people. 
Jesus wanted people to see the possibilities, not the impossibilities. In other words, the promises of God are yes and amen. It says in Genesis 15:5, we go to the story of Abraham. And God had chosen Abraham through whom he was going to bring the seed, Jesus. Amen? And he gave Abraham a promise. He says, I am going to make your descendants like the, the sands of the sea. You can't count this. And he, he, I'm supposing it's at night. And he takes him outside of the tent in Genesis 15:5, And it says he brought him outside and said, now, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. When God wanted to do something through Abraham, he gave him a picture. He gave him an image. He gave him something to see, something to remember. Every night he could go out and look up and, oh yeah, my descendants. And I'm 90 years old, but God said, my descendants will be like the stars of heaven if you can count them. I remember one time we were in, uh, living in Chile uh, as missionaries, and we have an opportunity to go to the south of Chile and uh, go on a fishing trip with uh, some friends. And the first night we spent in a tent on the side of a volcano. We're out in the middle of nowhere on the side of a lake. And there's no ambient light from any city. There's nothing. There's no electricity. I mean, it's pitch black. And we could look up at the sky. I have never in my life seen anything like that. You, I don't know that you can see that here in, in the States. There's too much other light. I saw so many stars. It was absolutely incredible. And that's what Abraham saw. God gave him a picture. God gave him a vision. God gave him an expectation of what was in God's heart for him and for, through him to bring forth that which blesses the nations, us. Praise God. But God had to have a picture. God had to give an image. God had to create an expectation in Abraham's heart. Faith, when we, when we move into the subject of faith, faith is simply expectation in action. It's the action of your expectation. But if there's no expectation, see, people are either pessimists or they're optimists. The foundation of your life, you're either an optimist or a pessimist. You're either thinking of all the things that could go wrong or you're thinking of all the blessings that could come your way. Either blessings are overtaking you or problems are facing you. You're, you're approaching life from a foundational level of pessimism or optimism. You have expectations. In, some case, in the pessimist case, it's negative. In the optimist case, it's positive. Yes, praise God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And well, that's what you say, but I can't do anything because I, don't, I, didn't, get, I didn't graduate from fourth grade and I don't have this and I don't have that. And, and, and they approach life that way. From that foundation of optimism or pessimism, those are your expectations, comes forth hope. Hope is either positive or hope is, I sure hope it doesn't happen. Okay, is everybody with me? Okay. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so when we're talking about expectations, if you start in the negative, you can't get into faith because you've already salted the soil, so to speak. You can't grow the crops of faith in the soil, salted soil because you are, have an outlook on life that hasn't been created by God, it's been created by the world, created by your parents, created by your friends, created by your own lack of self-esteem and whatever you're going through. And all of those things tend to cut off the abundant life. And the enemy has won. When we live that kind of life, 
But the people that have their hope based in the word of God and have had that transforming, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, have had that in their life, you begin to look at the possibilities. But you need a picture. And Jesus created pictures. I'm convinced that the best kind of ministry is a ministry that leaves a picture in your heart, that touches your heart, that leaves an image, that leaves an expectation. I don't feel like I've ministered unless people see something. I want you to see something. That's what ministers to me is when I see something, when something comes alive in my heart. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. In the King James, it says to give you an expected end. God has expectations for you, can he get them to you? Or are we so busy letting the world shape our expectations, letting politics shape our expectations? Hollywood has shaped our expectations of what love is, of what romance is, of what relationships are. The culture is shaping our expectations about many, many things. And I, I, I see younger Christians are letting themselves be shaped by these things. And they're not seeing what God is thinking. I know the thoughts that I think toward you. I know the purposes I have for you. To give you a future and a hope, to give you an expected end, God is positive. But so many of his children are negative. And we're missing the possibilities of seeing something and going for it. I live too long that way. Now, I always had vision. We were missionaries, and I, I've done many things. But I look back, and I realize I was, always, I, I was always under a ceiling that was too low. My expectations were, I can do this to this degree of success, but that's probably the, the, as far as I can go with that. And I always kind of acted that way because I didn't have the full transforming work of the Holy Spirit in my life to see with his eyes. I was seeing with my eyes, and I was remembering my failures and my experiences and my lack, my perceived lack, and I was setting the, the ceiling that God was not setting. He, the thoughts, he, what is he thinking about you? What does God see that's possible in your future? What is your expectation? If you're married, what is your expectation for your marriage? I could say, I've, I've been married 45 years, we've been married 45 years, and I could say, well, I mean, 45 years, what else is there to expect, I mean? <laughs> Some people approach it that way, but it's still good. I'm still expecting things, I'm still planning things. If you have children, what is your expectation for your children? You could say, well, they're in the terrible twos. You can see terrible twos, or you can see a future man or woman of God. Your vision for your children your, is going to set your expectation how you're going to approach them, whether they're just in the way for 18 years or if they're future men and women of God that are going to change the world. That's it. That begins in your heart, not their heart, your heart, if you're a parent. Amen? What is your expectation at work? I just go there to get the paycheck. Or are you there to be a blessing? Are you there to serve? Are you there to do anything you can do to be a blessing? What is your expectation there? God will open doors for the faithful. He'll promote the faithful. But if you have a bad attitude, you're closing your own doors. Amen. 
we have expectations. In, what's your expectation about this church? What is your expectation about your role in this church? Have you thought this through? See, I spend a lot of time on this. I spend a lot of time thinking and meditating on these kinds of things. One of the reasons I'm still here, and for those, I, I had a cancer battle three, three years ago, a year-long battle. I've been cancer-free for two years, praise God, I'm totally healthy. But I had a lot of time to think and realize I could either get, let the image of death, I was told I was going to die, get my affairs in order, I could have allowed that image to, to create a picture inside of me, those words, or I could reject that and create a different image, a different expectation. I chose that one. And I spent a lot of time creating my future in my heart, in my mind, seeing it, seeing me doing this kind of thing, seeing me doing live Bible studies, teaching at Karis Bible College, seeing, my, seeing Christmas. We had missed Christmas with COVID and I was in the hospital and all this. Uh, we, so I, I saw that. I saw the future. I saw our vacations. I, I saw, I planned things. I bought things online that I couldn't use until I was healed. <laughs> I decided to create something, expectations, and I had to be proactive in that. This is what Jesus is trying to do when he's ministering. He, I'm going to go through these examples with you, but he's, he's not just saying do something. He's saying do something, and something good is going to happen. We're going to see this, all right? In 2 Timothy 1.9, 2 Timothy 1.9, it says, speaking about God, who has saved us, God has saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. How many of you would like to know what that's all about? What purpose did God have for you before you were even conceived, physically speaking? What did he see? He knew you before you even existed. And he had a purpose for you. And he had grace or provision for that purpose. I want to see that. I don't want to just stumble through life saying, why am I here? No, I have, that I have a purpose. You have a purpose. Purposes, actually, in plural. But I want to see those things. And I want to, to have an image. I want to have a vision. I want to have an expectation. Because if I don't have one, the world will give me one, or the devil will give me one, or I'll just stumble through life without anything. And, and knock into everything. I don't want to live that way. I want to know what God sees, what God saw, what God wants, what God is thinking. I want to know his thoughts, and I let the word of God build that in me. And then I create the image, I see it, and I begin to imagine it. This is powerful. Hebrews 11.27. Hebrews 11.27. This is Moses leaving Egypt, fleeing Egypt. And it says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. How do you see something that's invisible? You have the capacity in you, in your spirit, man, to see the things of God. You can endure by seeing the unseen, while we look not at the things which are temporal, but the things which are eternal. Amen? We look at the... We, you, you can, 
Probably some don't, but you can look at the invisible, the eternal, through the word of God, through the promises of God, and you can create your future. The most important part of my day is the time I take to see. Let me explain. And I might do it in a, in a large chunk, or I might do it throughout the day, or I'll do both. But I will take time to see the future. I took time to see this tonight, earlier today. I take time to see everything I do ministry-wise. I take time to see. I took a lot of time to see the vacation we just finished. I started seeing that last December. I started making plans. I, started, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I was going for, and we, it happened and was a tremendous blessing. I take time to construct the things that I desire. Whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive, I'm going to take that at face value. And I'm going to construct that. I'm going to see that. I'm going to create an image, an expectation. It may not always come out exactly as I see it, but I'll get there if I can see it. That's the most important part of my day is to take time to see in my spirit, from my heart, I want to see the future. And I base it on the promises of God, and then I build. I begin to build it. Is this making sense? Okay. All right. So, true ministry creates images, expectations, and vision. When Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, he wasn't just trying to fill up the page. He's, he's saying his heart. He wants you to have an abundant life. The world doesn't. Washington sure doesn't. The devil doesn't. Our lives are being sucked dry. They're being stolen because we don't have a vision with which to reply to those kinds of things. You need a vision. You need a vision for your relationships, for your children, for your employment, for your church, for whatever else you do. You need a vision. You need an image on the inside. Amen. This began with Elijah. I'm going to get into Jesus here, but I'll, let me start with Elijah. What did Elijah say to the widow woman? He said, make me a couple pancakes first, and then you're going to have enough to, to go through the entire drought. You're going to be fine. You're going to be taken care of. He said, do this, and this will happen. He created an expectation. He didn't just say, go make me some, some breakfast. He said, make me some breakfast first, and this is what's going to happen. He created a picture in her of her future. He created an expectation that if she makes him breakfast first, she's going to have food for the next three and a half years. That was an image. Now today when preachers do that, they catch all kinds of flack. You know, they say, give, give first to God, give first to the ministry, give first to the church, and then the, all your critics come out and they have a fit. But let me tell you, Jesus did the same thing. We'll see it here in a minute. If you would listen to the words of Jesus and then let the image of the promise be built inside of you, it will change your life. It will change your life. How much time do you spend seeing in the spirit the possibilities? How much time do you give to seeing your marriage getting better? How much time do you give to seeing your children and having vision and goals for them? your employment and the things we've talked about. How much time do you spend? See, for me, that's the most important thing I do. Yes, I pray. Yes, I listen to tea. Yes, I do all, everything else. 
But it doesn't take long to stop and spend five minutes seeing. And I see myself, the, the most powerful thing is I see myself free. Free from the constraints of the enemy, free from the constraints of the world, from, free from sickness, free from poverty, free. I just see myself free. Then I see myself blessed. And I just see the blessings of God overtaking me. And I will take time to see that. I'll make stuff up in my mind. But this is, this is the way I've chosen to live since I came close to the valley of the shadow of death and I've decided, okay, been there, done that. I am ready to live, okay? I am going for the abundant life. But I found the secret to that is to have an expectation, not just a, well, whatever will be, will be. No, whatever I say will be, will be. Because God lives in me. Now, this sounds pretentious, but I don't believe it is. I believe this is what real faith is. God has purpose for you. God has vision for you. God has promises for you. God saw you before you were born. He has grace for you, provision for this to happen. Why don't you see it? Why don't you look at it? Why don't you, why don't you ask him to show you what he has for your life? So let's get to Jesus. I want to give you some examples here. In John 11, verse 40, we have Lazarus has died. Jesus goes a few days later. One of the sisters comes out and says, Oh, Lord, if you had been here, he would have lived. He wouldn't have died. And Jesus says something very interesting. He says in John eleven forty, 40, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? He didn't say, Why didn't you believe? I didn't have to be here. You could have believed. He doesn't have to die. He didn't put a guilt trip on her. He just said, if you believe, and then he gave her an expectation, you will see the glory of God. He didn't just say, Why well, don't just believe? No, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Anybody think that might still be applicable today to our lives? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. There's an expectation there that God wants you to believe his word, and then he wants you to see what it's going to produce in your life. What's going to transpire if I believe the word of God? What good things are going to happen? I just don't know if I can believe that. Well, that's why you won't see it. But if you believe, you can see the glory of God. See, I've had to change, if, if this makes sense, who I am. I can't be the Barry that, that I used to be. I can't be the, the, uh, the timid, introverted, shy, fearful, whatever, insecure. I can't be that person anymore. Because I've gotten a glimpse of the other side. I've gotten a glimpse of what God had in mind. It's created a different image. I'm still quiet. It's not that I've, my whole personality has changed, but I, am, I have something inside of me that is different than it used to be. And I am seeing things, and I'm, I am growing in this still, but I'm going for the gold. I'm going for the abundant life because an expectation has been created in my heart, and it can be created in your heart. Let's go to John 21, 6. The disciples, Jesus has risen from the dead. The disciples said, well, that's it. Let's go fishing. All right. So they're out fishing all night. They don't catch anything. And then Jesus shows up on the shore. And he says, do you have anything to eat? And they said, no, we were out fishing all night. We didn't catch anything. So Jesus says, and he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. John 21, 6, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Well, they had just been casting their net all night long. Now, I don't know why he said on the right side of the boat. I don't know. There might be something there. But here's the thing. He says, if you cast the net one more time, 
you're going to have fish. And they had more fish than they knew what to do with. He created an expectation based upon their willingness to persevere one more time. One more time. How often have we given up one time too, too short from the goal? If you just do it one more time, you're going to get the prize. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Don't grow weary in doing good. Praise God. There, there's an expectation on, on the concept of perseverance. That Throw the net one more time. Jesus, that was at night when the fish are out. Now it's daytime. We throw the net. That's silly. Do it one more time. There are some things that some of you are saying, why is this taking so long? Do it one more time. Why is this healing taking so long? I said that a lot. <laughs> one more time. I will be healed. I will live. I will live and not die. I am going to live and have an abundant life. I see myself one more. And the next day I would feel I'd be cranky again and feel all kinds of stuff. And no, I'm going to live. I'm going to live. I'm gonna... It wasn't always real proactive. Sometimes I went through a season of, of, of uh, grumpiness. But I, I hung in there. One more time, one more time, one more time, one more time. It took a year. Not fun. But ta-da. Amen. Okay. A lot of you have testimonies of the same. But sometimes it's just by faith and patience we inherit the, there's the, there's the expectation. By faith and patience you just hang in there. No. By faith and patience you inherit the promises. Just do it one more time. Jesus created an expectation. Throw the net on the right side of the boat. You're going to have fish and I'll have breakfast. Amen. All right. Luke 6:38. Well known. I'm going to read this and then I'm going to ask you which which word which words pertain to you. Luke 6:38 give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. How many of those words pertain to you? No, just one. The rest of it's God. Give. Give. That's it. And then he creates this image. Why didn't he? He could have just said, give. Just give. Why won't you just give? <laughs> he could have said it like that. But he said, give, and let me paint a picture for you. It's going to be given to you, pressed down, shaken together. And what are they seeing? They're getting a vision. They're thinking of baskets of grain, probably, large baskets of grain. And they're seeing this in their mind's eye, pressed down, shaken together. It's running over. That's, that's the expectation that Jesus was creating. He didn't say, just, just give. What's wrong with you? Just give. <laughs> he said, give, and let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me create a picture for you. And a lot of people give, a lot of good Christians give, and they don't see any what they would consider tangible results because they haven't seen it first in their heart. Yeah. I take time to see my giving, multiplying, and coming, and chasing me down the blessings of God. I take time to see that. We do lots of giving, and there's different kinds of giving. I, I consider every question I answer a seed I'm sowing. Every email I write, and I write lots of emails, it's a seed I'm sowing. 
Every message I share, it's a seed I'm sowing. Every person I pray with and pray for, it's a seed I'm sowing. Everything I give monetarily is seed I'm sowing. It's not just money. This is about everything. If you live in, in the love of God, you're continually sowing. You're, you're, loving, you're living to bless, to, to, to bless people, to lift them up. You're sowing. But have you taken time to see the harvest? Do you take time to picture the blessings of God chasing you down? And, it, and most people say, well, I didn't get a check in the mail. It's not about a check in the mail. It's about the blessings of God in every area of your life. I have a different message I can't do right now, but on not missing the harvests. People are harvests. Lawson is a harvest. Lawson and Barbara are a harvest in our lives. Lawson was such a blessing during my, my time away and sick. Keep Andrew Womack as a harvest for me. The doors he's opened for me, you can't put a price on that. I could never have built what, what he has given me, the ministry that he has allowed me to have. That's a harvest. I've been sowing for decades, and, and one person can be a harvest. A phone call was a harvest that changed my life. Would you like to come uh, preach chapel in 10 minutes? I'm in the car. <laughs> I haven't preached in English in 18 years. Not making this up. Would you like to come do chapel at Karis? I was working in the phone center. That phone call was a harvest that changed my life. One message that I had an opportunity to share opened the door to everything I have now. That's a harvest. Give and it will be given to you. Take time to see the possibilities. Don't just give and think, well, I wonder what's going to happen now. That never works. No, see the press down, shaking together, running over. Let the expectations be birthed inside of you that good things are going to happen in your life. Healing is a harvest. Man, if I told you how much money it cost to get me here, the insurance paid it, praise God, that was a harvest. It's up in the $4 million range. I got one bill for a 10-day thing. $2,200,000. I don't know if you've ever gotten these things, but it says, this is not a bill. But then it goes on to tell you that this will soon be a bill. And it says, $2,200,000. And then it breaks it down, and I get down to the bottom. It says, this is what you owe, $20. I said, Betty Kay got the checkbook. We're going to pay off this $2 million thing right now. Amen. That's a harvest. Give. See, that's Jesus is creating expectations. Let me keep going. Mark eleven twenty three. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever, how many whoever's do we have here? Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. That's really cool. No, that's not what he says. He says he will, he will have whatever he says. He gives an expectation. If you declare believing without doubting, you will get stuff. Things will change. The expectation is you will have what you say. What you say. Amen. Is anybody getting anything from this? Praise God. The woman at the well. John 4, 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Meaning natural water. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Expectation. If you 
receive me, you're going to get something. What are we going to get? But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Have you pictured that? Have you seen that? Does that sound like a deal? You drink of the water of the Spirit of God, you get everlasting life. That's a picture. That's an expectation. You're going to live forever. Praise God. And it's going to be better than this world. I'm, I'm, when I pause, it's because I'm considering jokes that I'm not going to share. Anyway, <laughs> trying to stay out of trouble. Okay. Hallelujah. Jesus, when he ministered, when he gave promises, he was creating expectations. Have the people sit down. Give and it shall be given. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you believe and doubt not, you can speak to this mountain. You can get what you want. He was creating expectations. And those expectations require us to take some time to see them in our hearts. Not just quote them. Yeah, I know that verse. Yeah, I tried that. It didn't work. You haven't done it yet. We need to take time with God and let him give birth to the visions that he was thinking about for us before time began. And the grace, the provision is there for it to happen. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. In this economy? Yeah, in this economy. With this president? Yeah, with this president. It doesn't matter. Heaven is not constrained by what goes, down, what goes on on earth. We, we are in a different kingdom. We've been translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of... I don't even think about the power of darkness anymore. So many people are so devil conscious. I am kingdom conscious. I have a different vision. What's your vision? What's your image? What's your expectation? Your expectations are setting the course of your life. Paul, well, let me, let me do some other things first here. says... Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That's a powerful verse. There's a truth in there. What you see in your heart is your future. And if all you see is hardship, poverty, sickness, woe is me, who's going to take care of me? That's your future. But if you see what God sees, if you'll take the time to see it, you have a divine imagination. Many of you can daydream about any number of things. Start daydreaming about the things of God. Start seeing those things on your, in the inside and start preparing for them. That's faith. Faith is taking action on your expectations. Faith is going on to Amazon and buying stuff you can't use until you're healed. Amen? That's what I did. It worked. Some of the things I wondered what in the world I was thinking when I bought them, but it didn't matter. <laughs> Serve the purpose. Serve the purpose. I'll never wear those shoes. What was I thinking? But at the time, they were my future. Now they belong to goodwill, but it doesn't matter. As you think in your heart, so are you. Job 3.25, let's look at it from the reverse. Job says, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And what I dreaded has happened to me. Now, we can say, well, that was Job, but that's a lot of Christians. 
That's the image they carry. That's the expectation they have. Life's hard and it's going to get harder. And woe is us. And I was thinking the other day, I went to the gas station and it was at $3.99 or something. I thinking, man, it's back up to $4 a gallon. And I thought, praise God, I've got $4 a gallon. <laughs> Amen. God is my source. I'm not going to worry about that. And I drive a lot. I drive up and down to Woodland Park every day. But it's okay. God is my source. I see abundance. I carry that image on the inside. I carry, I've, I've, gotten so, I've, I've gotten so liberal with my wife now that I'm even scaring myself. Because <laughs> we went through poverty years on the mission field. I mean, we've, we've been rock bottom. And now I just, whatever you want, hon. She doesn't even ask anymore. She does. <laughs> Yesterday told me, I, I bought this. Okay. Praise God. God is our source. I don't care. You're looking at a changed man. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Paul was about to be, he thought, executed. We're not sure exactly in 2 Timothy if that was when he actually was executed. Some people think he left, went to Spain and came back. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But in, when he's writing this letter, he believes he's about to lose his life. And in chapter 4, verse 18, he has an expectation. He says, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. This is after all the things he's been through. He still has a positive outlook. And he says, and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. That's where he's looking now. He's going to preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's an attitude. That's a good attitude. Praise God, whatever I'm going through on this earth, I'm going to go through to victory. I'm going to have abundance. I'm going to do it in the grace of God. God loves me. God is thinking things about me that are positive. God wants me well. God wants me prosperous. God wants me to be generous. God wants me to give and give and give. And I have agreed with God. Praise God. You can too. I mean, let me finish with two more verses. But first, let me say this. You told me 8.15, right? Okay, I'm doing good. Okay. I got that from whoever's Tanya is. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you have everything you need to turn your life around. You are not lacking a thing. You have the name of Jesus, the name above every name. You have the Spirit of God living in you. The greater one lives in you. You have the blood of Jesus that has cleansed you from all sin and guilt and condemnation. Praise God. You have the authority of God inside of you. You can resist the devil and he will flee. You have the faith of God in you. The fruit of the Spirit is faith. It's the faith of God. You, have, you don't have a faith problem. You have the faith of God in you. You have the promises of God that are all yes and amen. And all of them carry an expectation picture. If you take time to see it, amen. You have the keys of the kingdom. You have the armor of God. You have everything you need to turn your life around. If it needs turning around, you are well equipped to do it. But do you see it? Or is it just theology? Some of us need to come out of the world of theology and come into the world of the blessings of God and start believing this stuff. Amen. Two quick verses, Psalm 27, 13. Psalm 27, 
My tongue just went out. <laughs> Psalm 27, 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see. There you go. Don't lose heart. Choose to see. I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. People that have lost heart have chosen to not see the goodness of God. They've chosen to see the problems. They've chosen to magnify the issues, the problems, the circumstances. That's why they lose heart. That's why people burn out. They're trying to do things in their own strength with their own wisdom. I can't do, I don't have enough wisdom, but I do have the mind of Christ. And he has been made unto me wisdom. In my spirit, I have the wisdom of God. And I pray in the spirit. I don't trust in my brain. I'll trust in his brain. Amen. I have everything I need to turn my life around. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Oh, this is powerful. And then you add to it this next last one here, Psalm 1611. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path. You will show me. You're going to let me see. I'm going to have a vision inside of me of the path of life. And I take time to see these things. I create, probably, maybe they're silly, but I create images in my heart of the path of life. And I see myself seeing the goodness of God as I walk. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence. If you don't have joy, what's that say? You're not in his presence. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I take time to see that. I take time to see myself walking down a path of, of abundance and beauty and pleasures and food and Taco Bell and everything that's good in life. Amen. In your presence is fullness of joy. I tell this story often, and I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but I, I saw, I was at a church years and years and years and years ago. And before the service, there was a prayer meeting, and the people were coming, filing out of the prayer meeting, prayer time, and I swear, every one of them looked like they had been sucking on lemons. Just, and that's the prayer team. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I know who wasn't there. <laughs> because in his presence is fullness of joy when we come together in prayer that's, that's where things can happen amen it's not where you get sad and depressed it's where, it's where you get the victory tell me what you're seeing tell me what you're seeing let's see this together amen praise God let's speak to that mountain praise God I see it gone this is what you should be doing in prayer in his presence is fullness of joy but do you have that expectation do you have that vision do you have that image what do you have for your family? What do you have for your job? What do you have for your ministry? What do you have? What vision do you have for this church? What is the image that has been created inside of you? If there's not one, get in the word and start getting one. Can I pray for you? Amen. Why don't you stand? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. 
Thank you for the air we breathe, for the food we eat, for the clothes we have, for the homes we live in. Thank you for the cars we drive. Thank you for the money in our bank account. Father, we thank you for the people that love us. We thank you for the people that we get to love. We thank you, Lord, for everything we have. Thank you, Father. We are so blessed. But we know there's even more. And Father, I pray tonight that every heart in this room would take time to see, take time to let the expectation be built on the inside, not just read over things and move on, but see the blessings of God overtaking their life. See the healing completely delivering them. See themselves living as they've more actively than ever before. Take time to see every need met, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Take time to see themselves giving more than they've ever given, cheerfully, with joy. Take time to see the good things of life, to be a living, walking testimony of God's goodness, to be the head and not the tail, and people will glorify God because of your life, because you have an expectation. Praise God. Father, I speak that over this, this group and anyone watching and over this church, Lord, that our expectations would be stirred, would grow, and would be rooted in the goodness of God and the promises of God. And Father, we will be a testimony to this community, to this nation. We thank you for that, Father. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.